you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now even more the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. This is the word of the Lord. Well, as we come to God's word, let me pray for us. We thank you, Father, for this time together. I pray that you would be with us all as we have your word open before us to be taught. Lord, help us to hear what you would have to say to us from your word. Help us to implement it into our lives so that we can go and be your disciples and be people though that make disciples. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, church, the passage we have before us today uh, continues in our series, Encounter. Uh, It's where we are looking at today, Jesus and his encounter with a man with leprosy. There's three big headings that I want to use to guide our time today as we look at this encounter. Three big headings we're going to be looking at is the gospel message, the gospel martyr, and the gospel magnitude. The gospel message, the gospel martyr, and the gospel magnitude. Let's start with the gospel message. In this text, we have the gospel message framed for us within even the first two verses of our passage. That is a gospel message that God has stepped into his creation to begin his process of recreation. And the good news that we see in this text today is that his demeanor right now and his demeanor in this moment that we live in is one of mercy and love. It's good news. In our passage today, what we look at with Jesus and this encounter with this leper is that it is dripping with this good news about God, that a begging humanity is met with God's benevolence. I want to read for us verses 12 to 13. Verses 12 to 13. While he was in one of the cities, this is Jesus, while he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Well, first off, what do we see 
in this encounter, in these first two verses. Firstly, we see two very unlikely characters on stage together. We have a leper and we have Jesus. Let's think about who Jesus is. Luke has already introduced to us who Jesus is. Uh, we, saw, we saw in previous weeks uh, the great declarations uh, that had been made about Jesus and who, this, who, he was going to be, who he was and what he was going to be doing. Um, for now, why don't we just borrow one of those terms? So far, we've known Jesus to be called Son of the Most High God. Jesus is in this scene. This is Jesus, son of the most high God. He is royalty. He is royalty. And and look at who is on stage with Jesus. We have a leper. A leper. A leper for in society for this day. A leper was someone that was permanently under their social and physical isolation restrictions, weren't they? A leper was not only someone that was feared to have a disease, but actually had a skin disease that would make them unclean, that would make them uh, not be able to be able to live within the society. Uh, a leper was someone that you could not get near them. Because if you, if you were to get near this person, if you were to touch this person, there was a risk of you um, contracting this leprosy. It was also going to at least make you ceremonially unclean and it was going to make you have to also be outside of the city. Uh, there's some verses that are really helpful for us to understand the leper and his life. Um, when we read them in Leviticus uh, chapter 13, chapter 13, it gives, it gives the laws for the leper or people with skin diseases. Leviticus, you might remember it. It's the first, the, one, of the, one of the early books in, your, in, in the Bible that we've been reading in our yearly Bible reading plan. It, this may be where many of you fell off the bandwagon. But uh, let me read for us uh, Leviticus 13, uh, starting from verse 45. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. So straight away we see that if you have leprosy, even your very dress code and your haircuts are determined. Uh, he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. Not only this, but he will remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. If you're a leper, you are not integrated into society. If you're a leper, you, you, have, you, you don't have a regular community. If you're a leper, there's, there's no place for you uh, within the worshipping family of God. If, 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 you're, if you're a leper right now in this time, you are outside the city, you are outside people's presence, uh, you are walking around wearing a hessian sack, long hair, shouting, unclean, unclean, so everyone will keep their distance from you. Socially, physically, everything isolated. And we have the son of the most high God, Jesus, on stage with this leper. Two unlikely characters to share a room. As we think about the gospel in this passage, what do we see happen between Jesus and this leper? Well, firstly, let's just notice that the son of the most high God is, verse 13, he's 
He's in the city. Verse 12, sorry. He's in the city. God has come down. God has put on flesh. God has entered in. God is with us. And he's in the city. He's present. And he, is, he has made himself available already. He has drawn near to humanity. And the leper sees this and the leper has been drawn near to him. And what is the leper's response? What do we see with the leper? The leper, he comes towards Jesus and he speaks. Really important to notice what he says here, the way this leper approaches. The very first word out of his mouth, as he stands, in, as he stands before the Son of the Most High God, the leper realizes his destitute estate and he understands the position of power and authority and majesty that Jesus carries. And the first words that come out of the leper's mouth are, Lord. Lord. Lord is who he approaches. Lord, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a posture of humility. Lord. It's an acknowledgement of his lowliness. Lord. It's a recognition of the great cosmic gap that stands between him, a leper, and the son of the most high God. The leper comes not with any sense of entitlement. The leper does not address Jesus as mate, buddy, pal, but Lord. And then what does he say? If you, if if you, again, Jesus, this is up to you, is what he's saying. Jesus, I come to you. This is what he's saying. But please don't let me twist your arm. Please don't let me name it and claim it as to what I think would be good for me right now. This is if you, if you, you can make me clean. The leper demonstrates the beautiful right posture that one must come before Jesus. A posture of humility, a posture of recognition, a posture of appreciating who Jesus is. And now we see the beautiful good news, the beautiful gospel in this passage today. We see Jesus' response. We see God's response as the leper has drawn near, as, as close as he feels it is appropriate in his humble estate. What does Jesus do? Jesus draws near. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Jesus draws near to this social outcast. Jesus draws near to this one that has known separation for who knows how long, who has not even known the touch of another person for so long. And what does Jesus do? He stretches out his arm. Jesus closes the gap. Jesus makes the effort. Jesus stretches out his arm and he touches this leper. He touches this leper and he speaks and he says, I will be clean. This is incredible. This is incredible. Jesus is willing to demonstrate 
his love to this poor man by entering into his sickness, by willing to touch out and touch even the, the, the very skin of his, of his body. And what happens here? We see this, well, what, what we see happening is that Jesus, he has this, this, this amazing effect on them because Jesus is not consumed by the leprosy. Jesus is not made unclean by what is unclean, but Jesus and his presence purifies what is unclean. And what, instead of the leprosy rubbing off onto Jesus, Jesus' purity cleanses the leper. I'm reminded of that verse we see in Hebrews that our God is a consuming fire. And like a fire can purify and refine and take the dross out of impure metals and to, to make it clean and beautiful and right and good, this is what Jesus does in the presence of this man's leprosy. Purification. So why is this encounter so important for us to see? What are, what are we... What are we learning? Why is this recorded for us? What we need to see in this is that the leprosy in this man's life, this is a picture of what sin looks like in everyone's life. First and foremost, as we read this story, we need to see that the leprosy in this man's life is a picture of what sin is in everyone's life. Because whilst we may not have physical skin diseases that separate us, separate us from our community and from the community that we share as brothers and sisters in Christ. While we don't have anything physical that separates us, apart from Jesus, there is a leprosy on our hearts that will separate us from God. There is a leprosy on our hearts that makes sure that we cannot enter into the presence of God because we are unclean. The curse of sin. And in this encounter, what we need to see first and foremost today, the leper shows what it's looked like for a sick person to come to the Son of the Most High God, to acknowledge his uncleanliness, his helplessness, his brokenness, his desperateness, that he is a man that is going to die alone apart from God, unreconciled to God and to man without the help of God. So we need to recognize, if we haven't before, that there is a leprosy that we all carry or once have carried that can only be purified by the power of Jesus Christ. And then we see the beautiful gospel, the good news in this passage is that Jesus is willing that as we come to Jesus as king, and as we say, if you will, you can make me clean, Jesus does. He stretches out his hand towards us. And he says, I will be clean. So let us see in this passage, first and foremost, the gospel message. The gospel message that reminds us that God has entered in, that he is in the city, that we can approach him in our helplessness and our destitute, destituteness and our separation from him. And that we can say, if you will, you can make me clean. We can say, Lord, we can confess him as Lord and we can believe in our heart that he can raise us from the dead. And in doing so, we can have the gift of eternal life by faith, by belief, 
by just trusting and knowing that he can make us well. And his power and his presence and his goodness and his love will do the rest. Did church see this this morning? The gospel message, even in these first two verses of our text today. The gospel message. Second point I want us to look at today is the gospel martyr. The gospel martyr. Let me read. Uh, let me first clarify, if you don't, are not familiar with the word martyr, to be a martyr is to be a witness unto death. And what we see in our passage today is God's gift of salvation, it is evidenced by proclamation. God's gift of salvation, it is evidenced by proclamation that those who are saved by Jesus, that those who are healed by Jesus physically and spiritually will live, will live to show off Jesus. Let me read for us verses 14 and 15. Immediately the leprosy left him and he charged him. Jesus told this leper to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more, the report about him went abroad. What is the first thing that Jesus says after this man's healing? He says, tell no one, but go and show. <laughs> tell no one, but go and show. We have here two evidences of two, two opportunities for this once diseased, once unclean, now, now healed, now clean man. There's two ways of being a gospel martyr, being a witness to the glory of Jesus that Jesus tells this man to do. The first one, tell no one. So to the public, Jesus strangely says, tell no one. But do you know what? This leper, he doesn't have to open his mouth to, show, to tell the world that he's been healed because it's obvious. The sores, for his, the sores on his mouth are gone. <laughs> the second thing Jesus says is go and show. Go and show. Give a proof to the priest is what Jesus says there in verse 14. Give a proof to the priest. As a proof for them, that word proof, the root word there is martyr, is witness. Jesus says, you need to go take steps this way. He says, leper, get back to church. Get back to God's people. Get back and tell them all that God has done to make it possible for you to enter into the house of God and the family of God, to be lifting up and praising and worshiping God and, and encouraging the people of God. Go and show. Be a martyr. Be a witness. Back to the church. So first things we can see, see here is, well, what is, what, is, what is Jesus teaching us through the healing of this, of this leper? First thing we need to see here is, as he says, tell no one. We can be reminded, we can be encouraged, we can be taught that our witness, our witness for Jesus, it, it doesn't need to start with words. It doesn't need to start with our words. Uh, there is a... There is a, there's a saying that is sometimes loved, sometimes not so loved by some. Uh, I find it helpful. It is, 
wherever you go, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Now, some people don't like that saying because they think that, well, of course you have to use words to preach the gospel. And I would say, of course you have to use words to preach the gospel. But does your life reflect your message? Jesus, as he tells the leper here, Jesus is encouraging this leper to just let his life show off the glory of God and let them ask the questions. Let them make the first move. And church, we need to be asking ourselves, has our encounter with Jesus, if we have been healed by Jesus, if we have come before Jesus and asked him to heal the leprosy of our heart, has our encounter with Jesus meant a change in our countenance? Does your life, without your words, reflect the fact that you live in submission and in obedience and in honor and in glory of and in, into the glory of Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Tell no one. What else do we learn from this passage? How else does it make it how else does it make its way into our life? Well, go and show. What do we see? The first thing that Jesus tells this leper, he says, get back into the church. Get back into the church. Get back into the church and tell them all that God has done and be a witness to them. And that should remind us that just as the leper entered in here, into back into the church community, it should remind us that our presence in the church community is primarily not just for you, is it? Our presence in the church community, our showing up on a Sunday, our attendance in a gospel community, our time with brothers and sisters with Christ, we should not be looking through a lens that is primarily, what do I get out of this? We should not be asking what's in it for me, but rather, how can we be sharing our salvation stories and bearing witness to what God has done so that our church family is encouraged by what God is doing? in the family. Because can you imagine what it would have been like for the priest of this local community and for the people of this local synagogue would have felt as this leper comes back in? Be like, hey, it's Jono. Jono, you look different. Have you had work done? Yes, I have had work done. Jesus Christ has done a mighty work in, on, in and on me because of his great love towards me, he healed me. I said, Lord, if you will, I had faith that he could, I trusted that he could, and he did. How pumped up is that church community at the return of the leper? I would say significantly, significantly. Tell no one, does your encounter with Jesus mean a change? Has it meant a change in your countenance? And go and show. Has your encounter with Jesus meant that you now have an active presence back in your church family, not just for your benefit, but for the benefit of them also? How are you encouraging your brothers and sisters in Christ through what God has done? So gospel martyr, that's the gospel, we've thought the gospel martyr, we've thought about the gospel message. Uh, let's close with thinking about the gospel magnitude. The gospel magnitude. The gospel magnitude, we need to remember that God's plan 
is of infinite scale. That the generosity we see in the gospel, it spans all generations and it spans all geography. It's not just about the isolated moment right here and right now. We see this in our passage today. We see this in the way that Jesus's priorities, they reflect God's eternal purposes. Check it out. Read with me 15 and 16. Jesus says, uh, Luke writes, But now even more, the report about him, Jesus, went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places to pray. Now, what does Jesus do right after healing this leper? He does exactly what we wouldn't expect, or maybe what some of us might admit honestly would want. He retreats. Jesus withdraws. He packs up shop. He goes away. There's a crowd forming. They all need healing. And it's isn't this just a wonderful moment for Jesus to continue to display his, his amazing power as the Son of the Most High God in healing these people? There's great need here, isn't there? There's, there's amazing need. But he withdraws. And in doing so, he is surely aggravating everyone who had an agenda for him. Like you can almost hear the crowd at this point, can't you? Oh, Jesus, he's got all this authority and all this power, but what is he doing? He's not doing what he should. Oh, his pastoral care is terrible, isn't it? Talking about being God, well, you know, what, 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 this isn't what I think God would do. This is not my God. Oh, he thinks he's a powerful prophet. Well, he's not even, not even showing it. Look, look at all these people around us. So why? Why does Jesus withdraw? Well, Jesus' priorities reflect God's eternal purposes, that God, even in the moment of this great need, even, even the moment of all the healing that could occur in this moment, God has an even greater, he has an even bigger plan for these people. As Jesus withdraws to go pray, we see that God has an even greater power, an even bigger power, to, a power to, to more than merely heal physical infirmity. We see that as Jesus withdraws to pray, we get a hint at the magnitude of God's purposes to bring his people back into relationship with him for eternity. The crowds were worried about their physical condition. But that wasn't Jesus' primary worry, was it? Jesus was worried most about their eternal condition. He was more concerned about their citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. The one where he declares, behold, I am making all things new, not just the physical but the relational, the spiritual, the emotional, the mental, the psychological. Creation itself, I am making all 
things new. And how does he do that? How does he do that? Well, Jesus is making all things new. Jesus shows his ultimate purposes for the crowd, not by walking amidst the crowd and stretching out his hand to every person in that crowd, but it's to go to withdraw, to pray, to prepare himself for the ultimate moment where he was going to stretch out his hands, wasn't it? The moment where he would be hung up on a cross to be executed, to die for the sins of the world, to be the Lamb of God, to take away the sins of the world. And he would stretch out his hands, one off to the left and one off to the right, and nails would be driven through those hands. And Jesus would hang and he would die in the place of sinful men and women. He would die in my place. He would die in your place. That he who knew no sin would become sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. That Jesus, that just as he absorbed the leprosy of that man, Jesus would absorb our sin and he would absorb the wrath of God that was meant for us as he stretched out his hands on the cross. Jesus, when he healed this leper, it was but an hors d'oeuvre to the power that he was going to display in the main course of the salvation of his people. And even more than stretching out his hands on the cross to reunite us back to God, to with one hand grab onto us and the other hand grab back onto God to bring us to, together to be the bridge between us and God. Jesus, more than just dying in our place and being taking the penalty from our sin, he rises from death to life. He shows that sickness and affliction and injury, they are all in subjection to him. That there is a day also when we too will rise and be resurrected, that we who are hidden in Christ, that we have responded to him, that we who know him as Lord and Savior and best friend and big brother, that we who have turned away from our old life of sin to turn to follow him, that we that have confessed that our old way was wrong and that his way is the truth and the life and the right way, we too will rise with him. There is a promised day of healing for all. So Jesus, when he retreats from the crowds, he's not saying to them, I'm not going to heal you. It's his answer to their prayer is not no, it's not yet. It's not no, it's not yet. And we should hear this. We should hold on to this because it means like maybe we're asking, look, do we never pray for healing now? Like, is, does this mean we don't pray for healing now, you know, because busy, God's busy doing other things? No, not at all. We pray for healing. We pray confidently. We pray and we ask and we have faith and we have hope and we have confidence that Jesus can because we know he can. We pray, God, if you will, you can heal us. You can heal me. You can take this affliction away from me. But but friends, it's a church that when we pray and if, if we sense that it's a, a no or a not yet, we hold on to the not yet. 
because we're smiling still, because we know that the real problem we had, the real problem, the leprosy of our heart, the brokenness of our heart, our sin and our soul that was corrupt, that has been healed. And that, and that when we were at our worst, God had already given us his best. That's what we hold on to. Because I don't know about you, but I would much rather go through a life with physical pain, knowing that my, my, eternal, my eternal future is secure, rather than have a life with no physical pain, with an eternal future that is destined for destruction. Because that's the beauty of what we see about the love and the kindness of God in this passage, that even if we do have any sort of pain here and now, we don't journey alone. We have Jesus as our wonderful counsellor. We have the Holy Spirit as our guide and our comforter. And we also have the confidence that there is a day set on God's calendar when complete healing will come. It's as Peter Adam would often say in class at Theological College, that whenever he was feeling a bit tired or sore from the physical burdens of the day, his refrain would be, nothing that a good resurrection won't fix. Nothing that a good resurrection won't fix. So church, see the magnitude of the gospel. See that there is a majestic plan at hand, one of even greater magnitude that sometimes we just can't see in the moment. So that when maybe there's no clear answer in the little things, we can say that's okay because Jesus has taken care of the biggest thing. So remember this week, church, read over this passage this, again this week, church, remember the gospel message, God's love to us, to draw near, to heal, to respond because of his great love, not because of what we do. Remember the gospel martyr that our salvation will lead to, lead to proclamation. It doesn't have to start with words, but it, it, will be, it, will be, it will be a part of our life within the church. And remember the gospel magnitude that amidst all the little things in this world, God, through Jesus Christ, through his life, and death and resurrection, he has taken care of the most important thing for those that have faith and trust and that love him. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, for this time, for this message, for these words that we see in just these short few verses of the way that they teach us about your power and your love and your compassion and your mercy and your plan and our response. Help us to live this out, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.